Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Wednesday, March 11th. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. The United States ramping up measures to prevent the spread of the coronavirus, including a containment zone outside New York City. The coronavirus outbreak sparking panic buying, face masks, cleaning products, and even toilet paper. Why do we do it? We talked to an expert. And former VP Joe Biden picked up massive wins on Super Tuesday Part 2, delivering a big blow to Bernie Sanders and marking a clear turning point in the Democratic race. This and much more today on You News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin today with the growing spread of coronavirus. World Health Organization officials now calling it a pandemic. And here's the very latest that we know at this time. In the U.S., there are now a total of 1,050 confirmed cases. 29 people have died from the virus here. 39 states, including the District of Columbia, have reported cases. Meanwhile, American health officials are warning lawmakers to expect things to get worse. But as the numbers climb in the U.S., World Health Organization officials say 70 percent of coronavirus patients in China, the epicenter of this outbreak, have fully recovered. And now Lorraine Gassides has a complete roundup of what's happening around the country. In the U.S., stocks opened in the red this morning, retracing yesterday's sharp gains as worries about the outbreak once again took over. Across the country, at least 18 states declaring a state of emergency. Washington reporting its 10th long-term care facility with confirmed cases of the virus. Infections in Massachusetts more than doubling, with at least 70 of the cases connected to a Biogen employee conference held in Boston last month. In Kentucky, visit rights for prisoners have been suspended and the governor is asking churches to cancel service. I believe God gives us wisdom to protect each other and we should do that. And I'm going to recommend that our churches across Kentucky uh, cancel their services for this weekend. In Minnesota, a patient now in critical condition after experiencing flu symptoms and visiting a health facility last week, but was sent home without testing. You have to start taking seriously what you can do now that if and when the infections will come, and they will come. Concerns of the spreading virus promoting a wave of cancellations, including the New York City Half Marathon and the Ivy League basketball tournaments. Chicago canceling St. Patrick's Day Parade, Harvard and Georgetown universities joining the list of schools forcing students to move out of the dorms and take online classes instead. National students from countries where the coronavirus has basically halted all travel. The New York Times launching a deep cleaning of their newsroom in New York and D.C., notifying employees to stay home for 14 days after some NYT staffers attended a conference in New Orleans where an attendee tested positive for coronavirus. Clay Bentley is recovering from the virus in Georgia and says testing potential patients is the best way to fight and control the situation. dealing with doing the testing and testing the people that need to be testing everybody's running in fear and, and and taking care of things on their own and i feel like everybody's running in mass hysteria yeah. trying to take care of things instead of uh finding the people who, ne who need to be tested and, and 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 let's take care of the problem 
In Washington state, the governor is forecasting the state will have more than 60,000 cases soon if the spread continues there at the same speed. Meanwhile, Colorado has set up drive-up coronavirus testing centers to maximize testing without overcrowding emergency rooms. Back to you, Andrea. Thank you, Lorraine Casares, for that report. And also, a containment area has been set up around the town of New Rochelle, just north of New York City. This after coronavirus cases jumped from 1 to 100 in less than 10 days. Now the state's governor is deploying the National Guard to assist with food deliveries and also to clean public spaces. Nayeli Chavez-Geller is live in New Rochelle. Nayeli, what's the latest? Good afternoon, Andrea. We're standing outside City Hall here in the city of New Rochelle, near the perimeter of what is being referred to as a one-mile radius containment zone. And as you mentioned, yesterday, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced the deployment of the National Guard, which as of tomorrow will start assisting residents subjected to quarantine for the next two weeks with the delivery of food, but most importantly, disinfecting and aggressively cleaning common spaces such as schools, religious centers, and other buildings. The dramatic decision which will have an impact on this community comes after it has been reported that over 100 people have been infected with the coronavirus. This might even be the largest cluster of cases in the United States. So this uh, strict measure comes as a way or hoping to prevent the virus from continuing to spread. Authorities have also said that they are setting up a mobile testing facility in the area to assist and increase the testing for COVID-19 in the city of New Rochelle. As for residents that live outside uh, the containment zone, authorities encourage them to call their medical provider if they feel sick before visiting them in the office. And as we've been uh, hearing consistently, the best uh, way to prevent the spread of this virus is by washing your hands with warm water and soap for at least 20 seconds. If that's not available, to use a hand sanitizer that contains at least 60% alcohol and do not touch your mouth, nose, or eyes if you have not washed your hands. Andrea? Nayeli, I would also like to know about the residents in the containment zone. Can they leave that area or are they just simply stuck in their homes? Well, actually, authorities have said that these residents are not going to be restricted to leave their homes. They can actually go outside, buy groceries. But what is being discouraged are the large gatherings, as uh, Lorraine mentioned in her package. Even New York City, which is 45 minutes away, has already canceled the half a marathon and also the international auto show. So, yes, people can, they have some sort of mobility, but what authorities do not want to happen are the large gatherings and they also need this time as I mentioned to disinfect all public spaces all common spaces I think that's the most important thing that we're going to see happening in the next two weeks Andrea Thank you, Nayeli Chavez-Geller in New Rochelle, New York. Thank you for that information. Meanwhile, on the West Coast in California, passengers are still disembarking from the Grand Princess cruise ship, which finally docked in Oakland on Monday. Dulce Castellanos is in the port of Oakland with the latest on this. Dulce. 
That's right. The process to disembark thousands of passengers on board the Grand Princess has been quite the lengthy one. Authorities reported that yesterday they were able to disembark about 1,400 passengers. Many of them are now in different military bases here in California, Texas, and Georgia. Hundreds of uh, foreigners are also back in their home countries like Canadians and in the UK. Authorities will continue to work today to disembark embark the remaining 1,000 passengers. That means that 1,000 of them spent yet another night on board this cruise ship, hoping to finally get off and touch land. Uh, 26 of them were reported a total to be transferred over to uh, regional hospitals, and that was either because they were infected with the coronavirus or simply because they are elderly and needed additional medical care. Uh, many of them we do know that were on board were in their 70s and 80s. 80s and do have pre-existing conditions such as heart problems or diabetes and now they will be looking forward to having their family members mail out their medications over to the different military bases where they will be staying for the next few weeks uh, that is quite a something to overcome and the big question now is if they will develop symptoms in these next few weeks where they will be quarantined uh, now the plan for the 1100 crew members remains the same governor gavin newsom said yesterday that that is mainly because they are foreigners and so they are working with the consulates in their home countries to repatriate them we of course will be here uh, expecting the latest on this disembarking process that has been taken over for a few days. That is what we have here in Oakland. I'm Dulce Castellanos. Back to you guys. Thank you, Dulce Castellanos, reporting from Oakland, California. And as we continue to monitor this situation at the White House today, President Trump will also meet with top Wall Street executives amid economic concerns surrounding the novel coronavirus. Yesterday, President Trump asked Congress for a tax cut and other measures to ease the pain of this outbreak. The move helped stocks recoup most of their historic losses from Monday. Committees in both the House and Senate are holding hearings today on preparedness and response to COVID-19. CDC Director Robert Redfield and Dr. Anthony Fauci of the National Institute of Health are testifying before the House Oversight Committee. The coronavirus outbreak has sparked panic buying. That means people are just buying face masks, cleaning products, and even toilet paper. So why exactly do we do it? Steven Taylor joins me on the phone. He's the author of the psychology of pandemics. He's also a psychiatry professor at the University of British Columbia. Thanks so much for joining us today, Professor. Thanks very much. Professor, so what is going on? Why is toilet paper, of all things, flying off the shelves when this virus doesn't exactly um, cause diarrhea? Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? The why toilet paper? Um, when this panic buying started um, going viral on the internet, it, it sparked fears in people. Um, it sparked fears of scarcity and concerns that they had to act urgently. And so people were rushing out. But what got yeah, on the internet and went viral were images of people buying toilet paper. And it's quite distinct, the packets, so it's easy for people to identify what was in these images. It's toilet paper. And so in people's minds, it's become 
uh, an associated symbol of safety. So why toilet paper? Well, when people get frightened of becoming infected, what happens is their disgust sensitivity increases. That is, they get more readily disgusted. And that's because disgust is um, an adaptive emotional reaction that keeps us away from pathogens. So infection and disgust, they go together. And so it kind of makes sense that it would be toilet paper because toilet paper is a, is a tool for avoiding disgust, for avoiding um, bodily secretions and waste. So psychologically, um, toilet paper is linked to disease. And I think that's how it became uh, an, a symbol of safety for many people. And, and just a bit of a context here, um, people are trying to find something to do to protect themselves. They hear that COVID-19 is a big, special problem, and in the minds of many people, they have to do something big and special to um, match the problem. And, but instead, people are told, don't wear masks and just wash your hands. And that doesn't seem to be enough in the minds of many people. They think they need to do more. So people are going out feeling that they need to actually be doing something to keep themselves safe. And that's probably fueling the panic buying as well. Professor, let's talk about the role of social media. I mean, we're getting all this information from all over the place. There is so much information out there, and we do see people in the stores um, buying all these supplies. Does that contribute also to this panic? Yes, it does. And this pandemic, let's call it a pandemic because it is one, this makes this pandemic different from previous ones because of the prominence of social media. Um, these images of empty shelves of overladen shopping carts uh, are going viral and they're giving people a distorted impression of how bad things are. Panic is not widespread. Most people are not panicking. Most people are fine. But if you just look at social media of these dramatic images, it will give you a distorted picture of how prevalent that panic is and that can fuel problems of its own. And just very briefly now, would you say it's wrong to start hoarding on all these supplies? Because perhaps people are just saying or thinking, I'm trying to do it to protect my family and just to be cautious. I can understand why people would do that. The, the urge to protect one's family is very important. However, we're all in this together. And if you buy up all the toilet paper, someone else will miss out. So we need to think as a community, because this is the only way we can combat COVID-19, is to work as a community. And we need to think about those community members who aren't able to go panic buying because of, say, financial needs. So, you know, we need to give some back to the rest of the people if we're going to manage this properly. We're in this together. I love that one. Thank you so much, Professor Stephen Taylor, for your time, author of The Psychology of Pandemics. Have a great day. You're very welcome. Thank you. Major news out of the Bernie Sanders campaign on the heels of last night's Super Tuesday 2 results. The Vermont senator announcing he's staying in the race for the Democratic nomination. Sanders acknowledged last night wasn't a good night for his campaign as former Vice President Joe Biden emerged as the front runner for the Democratic nomination. Sanders says he's the most popular candidate and will continue to push Biden on the question of electability. Now let's take a look at what happened last night. Joe Biden building on his Super Tuesday dominance on Super Tuesday Part 2, winning Mississippi, Missouri, and the big prize of the night, Michigan. Just over a week ago, many of the pundits declared that uh, this candidacy was dead. Now we're very much alive. Michigan is a key Midwestern swing state. President Trump narrowly won in 2016. Then in 2018, a blue wave swept over the state. 
Now it's considered to be a bellwether of where blue-collar, white, and African-American voters lean. We are solidly purple, and that's why no one should ever take Michigan for granted. But also on Tuesday, the former VP had an encounter with an unhappy voter. While he was touring an automotive plant in Detroit, he was confronted about gun rights. The exchange got heated, and Biden fired back about his Second Amendment stance. The back and forth drawing criticism, some saying it marks another episode of Biden's propensity for going off script and undercutting his campaign's desired messaging. Meanwhile, Biden picking up more endorsements. Former Arizona Representative Gabby Giffords, a key voice on gun violence prevention and former rival Andrew Yang. And I say this. Uh, having supported Bernie Sanders in 2016, Bernie was an inspiration for me, inspired my run. Uh, but the math says Joe is our prohibitive nominee. We need to bring the party together. Uh, we need to start working on defeating Donald Trump. The results, a blow to Bernie Sanders, who squeaked out a win in Michigan's primary four years ago and hoped to kick off a comeback. Sanders flew to Burlington after a planned rally in Cleveland, Ohio, was canceled due to coronavirus fears. He and his wife returned home, skipping any public address. Joe Biden has now taken command of the Democratic race with his recent victories. The magic number to obtain the Democratic nomination is 1,991. And so far, Joe Biden has 847 delegates and Sanders has 685. And just a reminder, Univision and CNN will broadcast a debate among the Democratic presidential hopefuls this Sunday from Phoenix, Arizona. And by the way, the coronavirus also impacting that debate. There will be no audience. Remember, things get underway at 7.55 p.m. Eastern time, so be sure to tune into Univision to watch. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your news, your world, your news on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. Taking you around the world now, we begin in Mexico where at least one person was killed and more than 40 injured when two trains collided on Mexico City's underground metro network late Tuesday. The force of the crash left one of the orange trucks stuck on top of the other at the Tacubaya metro station. Mexico City's underground is one of the busiest worldwide. It's not clear what caused the collision. In Caracas, Venezuela, security forces fired tear gas to disperse an anti-government march led by opposition leader Juan Guaidó. Guaidó called for demonstrations to take place all across Venezuela in an attempt to revive his movement and motivate his followers. Embattled leader Nicolás Maduro was holding a counter-rally at the same time with his supporters. 
In Argentina, the opposition party there has called for a demonstration against federal intervention in the justice system of Jujuy province in the country's remote northwest. At issue, a bill proposed by a legislator who belongs to President Alberto Fernandez's party. The legislator, Guillermo Snopek, is also the Jujuy governor's brother-in-law, which is raising eyebrows. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.